0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody's favorite cinema podcast, Looking California I'm Minnesota. My name is Michael McCaffrey. I'm the Looking California portion of the program. I'm a ridiculously handsome acting coach and writer in sunny Southern California. And I'm joined by somebody who's feeling very Minnesota. His name is Barry Anderson. Barry, tell us a wee bit about yourself. I'm a director based in the,
1: uh, uh, what I like to call Canada light in the northern part that is classified as the Midwest of the United States of America. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, from time to time I get to do cool, exciting things. Sometimes I do less exciting things, but mostly in my spare time, I get to hang out with you and, uh, either talk about movies, talk about shows, complain about shows, fantasize about shows that could have been reflect on movies that were once good and sometimes just yell at each other. So I don't know, that's pretty much, uh. (laughs)
0: Sum things up. That's about it. <laughs> Sums it all up. So today is a big day. It's a big day. Today we're talking about everybody knows Steven Spielberg, right? Steven Spielberg is if you if you went up to people on the street and said, Hey, who name the greatest filmmaker, probably out of a hundred people, ninety would say Steven Spielberg. He's the most famous director around, very successful guy. Well, he's his new movie. It's called The Fablemans, and it's an autobiographical film. It's sort of the story. It's a coming-of-age drama about Stephen and his family. Um, as he grows up, he, he, from a very young age, is all into making movies. He falls in love with movies, and he starts making them. And his parents, his mother, Mitzi, played by Michelle Williams, and his father, uh, what's his father's name? Du-du-du, Bert. Mitzi and Bert. Bert is played by Paul Dano. They are very different people. Bert is a very scientific guy. Mitzi is a, a trained concert pianist, and so she's very artistic. And they have a tumultuous, tumultuous uh, marriage. And Sammy has to witness it all and then grow up and become Steven Spielberg. So the movie is written and directed by Spielberg, also co-written by Tony Kushner, a Tony Award winner and uh Frequent collaborator with Spielberg. The movie stars Michelle Williams as Mitzi, Paul Dano as Bert. Um, Seth Rogan is in there. Gabriel Labelle plays the young Steven Spielberg as a teenager, and Judd Hirsch is in there. All the usual uh Spielbergian people are there. Cinematographer Janusz Kaminsky, edit, edited by Michael Kahn, John Williams does music, etc. etc. Now this movie came out november 11th the interesting thing about this movie is that it came out november 11th it has a budget of 40 million dollars and it hasn't made jack shit it's made 25 million dollars at the box office and it's just it's considered a flop now it has been nominated for a bevy of academy awards seven in total Including best picture, best director, best actress for Michelle Williams, and best supporting actor for Judd Hirsch. Um, The movie runs 151 minutes, so that's what two and a half hours. Yep, it was. Yeah, it's two and a half hours. So that's that's the basic of this. Now this is Spielberg's. I'm trying to think how many movies he's made. It's a lot.
1: It is a lot. Because then it will be every movie. Ever I know
0: it gets tricky because he does everything. Um, wait, Steve, how many movies you make, man? What's going on? I'm looking this up online. Thirty four feature films. Holy cow! That does not seem
1: like enough for as often as he works. No, he's <laughs> f- fifty eight films. That sounds right.
0: <laughs> Holy cow! Yeah, that, that's. I mean, he he cranks him out, man. He he doesn't. He, he does. He does, and he is seventy six years old. And so he's at a point in his life where he's being very sort of retrospective and introspective. And so he, he makes this uh, you know, this autobiographical coming of age film, which seems to be what's happening this year. We've talked about this before. There are a bunch of movies that came out this year from auteurs who are doing the same exact thing. They're making movies about their lives and about Their childhood and about their connection with cinema and what cinema means to them and and all these things so there's um, Bardo by Iñárritu who uh, has won two Oscars Um, the same as Steven Spielberg by the way and then there's uh, Armageddon Time by James Gray and now uh, The Fablemans by Steven Spielberg Empire of Light is a movie by Sam Mendes I've not seen, but I've read a bit that it's sort of similar. So I, I love it in there too. So it's sort of interesting that this is what's happening this year. I have seen uh, Armageddon Time and Bardo. I don't think you have. Um, and now I've seen The Mints, And you have seen The Mints. So I we're going to talk about The Fablements. now. Barry all Anderson. in on The Men. Yeah, you are Barry Anderson. You are in Minnesota. You're feeling Minnesota. How are you feeling?
1: Well... I am a general fan of Mr. Spielberg. A lot of his uh, earlier works have been very uh, informative of my my love of cinema. Um, We've talked over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, um, the the massive slipping that has come in his arena in terms of things like Lincoln and stuff like that, even though they were well received and talked about blah, 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 blah. Um, It's a directorial effort, not not the finest work. Um, I have heard what I thought was just about every story ever told about Spielberg because my life projected his of starting at a young age with a video camera, convincing friends to make movies, and kind of being a an outsider. So I wasn't sure if I would like the movie from the standpoint: would it be original and new, or is it just going to be like a rehash of like, you know, okay, yeah, we knew all this. And so I went to the theater to see the movie. And I don't know exactly how long it was, but it felt like I was trapped and was never going to leave the theater. And I was like, oh my. Um, I I feel like there's anybody that should connect with this movie. It's me. <laughs> I feel like if it's a retrospective for him, this should yeah. be like my anthem. And I should like, I should be crying and I should be inspired and I should have goosebumps. And like, I literally walked out as if I was, put in a sensory deprivation chamber and then walked out. And I'm like, how, how did a movie not have an impact in almost any way, shape or form? And so I, I, it's almost, I'm almost curious as to how this movie exists because I don't know who, who it speaks to. Like, I I don't know if Steven Spielberg made the most expensive like movie for himself, i mean think about this just go back to who you said you have spielberg you have janusz you have michael Kahn. you have john williams you literally have some of the heaviest hitters in all of cinema and this is the cumulative effort and i'm like whoa (laughs) like whoa every once in a while you come across a movie and it's like you know from like 10 15 years ago and it'll have every movie star ever, and every bit role was like a future movie star. And you're like, how did they get so many people? And you watch the movie, and you're like, How is this movie so bad? That's how I feel about the Fablements.
0: Okay. Um, well. Oh dear. Um that's unfortunate. So are you gonna go the opposite way? Are we gonna have a fight today? To me. I'm not as big a Spielberg fan as you are. Correct. Right. Um, but this is easily the greatest film I've ever seen in my life. Mike, don't make me <laughs> reach to the <laughs> computer to strangle you outright. <laughs> Here's the thing, and it's true, I'm not as big Spielberg fan as you. I, I, There are some things he's done which I think are phenomenal. Um, I, I, I have a lot of issues with him, but you cannot deny the greatness of early Spielberg oh I it's, mean it's it's not it's, it's you know and in the f- funny thing is, is he's nominated for best director for this movie he was nominated for and he has a, a very good chance to win and but he was nominated for like Close Encounters and for Jaws and and I can't remember if he was nominated for Raiders of the Lost Ark but like those movies are E.T. right they're just so sort of singular Spielbergian films, and they're just elite movies. They're they're incredibly well made. And he didn't win for any of those. Um, he did win for Shinless List, best director, anyway. He won for Shinless List and he won for Saving Private Ryan. Um, you know, and so those movies are remarkable. Now, late Spielberg, so maybe the last. I'd say post Munich. Um, I, actually, I would say it's longer than that, but I'm being kind for some reason. But like he, he's churned out a bunch of junk. Now this movie, I watched it. I, I had didn't see it in the theater. I saw it at home. I have a screener because I'm, I'm a major player in Hollywood, so I got a screener. Um, huge hitter, you know that Barry. Um, Notice how I'm
1: not quick to F that, So. <laughs> Be a great wingman today on this podcast everybody
0: (laughs) so here's the thing i was genuinely shocked at how amateurish this movie was it it was it i didn't have any expectations i was just like well it's spielberg so you expect a a little bit you expect it to be sentimental which, you know, you, it's it's an autobiography, so of course you, you even give him extra leeway with that. We were like, all right. What I didn't expect was for across the board, every element of this movie to be so amateurish and after-school special level production. The scripts for this movie is absolutely atrocious the dialogue is unbelievably bad the direction by the way of the actors Uh, so i watched this with my wife and we stopped the movie i think three or four times and just looked at each other and we're like what the fuck (laughs) like it's a bad it's not a bad high school play it's a bad elementary school play it's awful. And there are people in this movie I deeply respect as artists, but I, I really like Paul Dano as an actor.
1: Was, 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 really, wasn't his portrayal as his father the most in-depth, thoughtful, connected figure you've ever seen in cinema, ever?
0: It, it is so... He is so bad in this movie. <laughs> and I really like this guy. And yet, his line readings, what are we doing? the whole thing is so unnatural and inhuman and then there's michelle williams who as an actress can be hit or miss with me i i like her she seems like a nice person but like she can be hit or miss with me this is such a bad performance from her that it makes me uncomfortable watching it she is dreadful and like number one that haircut just sums up the entire movie well the the movie should just be watching her get that haircut i mean god damn
1: if you if you know spielberg's real mom that's obviously what they're going for but my here here this should say everything after you when you asked me what what i thought about the movie after your description of michelle's performance she was the literal north star of navigation for this movie she was by far and away the best thing in this movie by at least a million miles and then you're
0: like oh geez, <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm, geez. <laughs> and and like just the filmmaking like this is steven spielberg correct and the filmmaking is so weak it's ridiculous there's a sequence where Sammy Fableman, who is the Steven Spielberg character, he's a teenager and he, he is always, he's always got his camera with him. He like shoots movies with like his Boy Scout troop and like he, you know, he, he's into it. He's really doing it. He's got a, his own editing bay. He does the whole thing, which is accurate to Spielberg's life, um, which is cool. Like Spielberg's life is pretty awesome that like at a young age, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. And he, had ups and downs but he he knew he had to do it so he kept doing it he he ended up having this incredible career unfortunately which make makes him make this terrible movie so there's a scene where he's editing a family trip camping trip his dad asked him asked him to put together like a, a sort of highlight reel of that to cheer his mom up who his mother's mother, Steven's grandmother, had just died. She's very depressed. Oh, put this movie together, it will cheer her up. So he's putting it together, and you know, this spoiler alert, right? I mean, if you know anything about Spielberg's life, you know this stuff, but spoiler alert. As he's editing this together, he discovers that his mother and his father's best friend are in love with each other. It is the most ham-handed unbelievably trite sequence imaginable if this were
1: you didn't like the I, fact that it was inspired by the famous spotting of bigfoot where his
0: mom and the best friend gradually right. raise hands in the background and zoom by the way you're right going left to right in, yeah. in screen going left to right and the slight turn of the head um I've watched the Patterson Gimlin film, you know, over and I've I've seen that that a hundred thousand times. It's real. I'm telling you people it's right real. now, the Bigfoot is real. Yeah. So that sequence, if you saw that in like a Disney channel teen dramedy, you'd even go, uh, eh, that's kind of cheesy. This is a Spielberg film. And he that it's so easy to make that sequence um dynamic. Like, you can imagine, like, a filmmaker like Scorsese or Paul Thomas Anderson making that sequence and how they would do it. I can picture it in my head. Uh, you know, like, you could freeze the frame and you could actually draw a circle around the two of them way in the distance with their hands held. You have to look at it. You know, it's like the movie, uh, uh, you know, the, a visual version of Blowout, you know, where, like, yeah. oh, what was that? Let me rewind that. You know, like, you could literally make it an homage to great cinema. Right. Instead, nope. it's just this terrible sequence and you're putting so much on this actor who you know this I don't know who this kid is he doesn't know what he's doing he looks a little like Spielberg so it's like okay great awful and there are from the get go scene after scene each time you think the worst scene in this movie has happened a new one arrives and you're just like Jesus what are we doing like There's a dinner scene where the family and and the grandmother, and I think it's a great aunt or something, are, they're just having dinner. And the dialogue is so stilted and so mannered. It's just, it's just atrocious. And then there's, you know, once you think the movie can't get any more terrible, then Seth Rogen shows up and you're like, oh my God, what is happening? It's just, one thing after another with this movie, and then and then you get to I, I mean this when I say like it it just keeps getting worse. Then there's the gay Nazis in Northern California, who it, it it all of a sudden turns into like a teen dramedy of the worst order with the bullies and like the anti-Semitism. But oh, I they think they're gay, these guys. It's just like unbelievable. And then he throws in this is great. Then he throws in some like really sort of vicious, uh, nasty anti-Christian stuff for some reason. And I'm just like, what what is this shit? This movie is shit. <laughs> and the only thing in this movie that's any good is literally the last sequence of the movie. That's it. When he meets oh, John when Ford. When he meets John Ford, yeah. Yeah. Now, that's not a great scene, but what makes it interesting? It has energy. Correct. It's dynamic. And then when they go out, he goes outside, and he's walking down the studio, Yep. and it does the little boom, and you, and you go, oh, there it is. Where has that been for two and a half hours? Like, they, it's amazing to me. It's just amazing. And <laughs> there's a scene where... Um, young spielberg is editing one of the movies he made with his boy scout troop and he's watching the footage and he says to himself fake totally fake so he knows he has to change it and i thought to myself it's too bad spielberg at 76 doesn't have this (laughs) as much discerning taste as spielberg at 14 what are we doing because this whole thing is fake totally fake yes and then the, the scene with john ford where john ford's like see that picture you know, the where's the horizon? Right, it's on the lower third. Where's the horizon? Oh, the upper third. I, you know, never have the horizon in the middle. And I thought this movie is nothing but a horizon in the middle. Yeah. That's all it is. It's terrible. Besides that, I really liked it. I, I thought it was very, very heartwarming. <laughs> this movie sucks, man.
1: Very. I, I, I told you, because I saw it weeks uh, ago. And you kept asking. And I'm like, I don't know how to respond to you without coloring your view of the movie because I'm so passionately like what the heck just happened so when we talked about our Oscar nominations and the fact there like if anybody complains and I would complain that Spielberg like I don't remember who won but I would argue that potentially he deserved to win for Jaws and or for Close Encounters of the Third Kind Um, this is the makeup He no longer can claim that he lost those ones unfairly because this, this is the universe doing a yin for yang is as travesty as those are is this is equal travesty that it's even nominated because this movie is absolutely abominable. It's terrible.
0: It's just terrible from start to finish. And here's the crazy thing. People, not just critics, of course critics love this movie because reflexively they give Spielberg all these benefits of the doubt and like they just assume it's great and they don't want to ruffle feathers because he is a very powerful guy in the industry. There's no denying that. 100%. But what's crazy to me is I've been reading stuff from just like regular people who are just these ardent, there's this whole troop of like ardent Spielbergian sycophants who are just the biggest Philistines on the planet and they just think like, oh what's spielberg's latest great movie and then they'll be like well the one that's in the theater now or was it um west side story last year and it's like what what are you talking about this movie how can anyone watch this movie and, and walk away going oh man this is this is such a an exquisite piece of cinema what a beautiful movie it's like this is garbage it is garbage It's amazing to me that anybody would think this is even remotely good. And it it really is a testament to Spielberg's power. And I admit to being, in a sense, under, under its sway a bit because my assumption going into this was this movie was considerably better than it is just because it's Spielberg. Even I'm gonna, though for no, the no. last 15 years I've been watching shit from this guy.
1: But again, I'm going to go back to my opening statement. You're just attributing to Spielberg. You're talking Janusz. You're talking Khan. You're talking right. Williams. Like, was this score? I mean, if we're in the what? twilight, yes, twilight, right? twilight of John Williams' career, how in God's name does this even go on his resume? Like, yeah, it man. seems like everybody else is like, sure, Steve, we'll show up. <laughs> But, I don't know, Steven's becoming now. I don't know what it is, but like nobody brought their A-game. Nobody improved anything in this movie. It's just utterly, what is it, Benial. <laughs> it's just, it's terrible. There's just, here, on my wall, Frank Capra's quote, there's no rules in filmmaking, only sins, and the cardinal sin is dullness. And this movie is dull for the entire duration of the movie. Like, this is, it's just,
0: it's unexcusable. It's inexcusable. I mean, oh, jeez. So, yes, all of that is true. It's so true that when the movie ended, my wife, who is much, 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 much more forgiving of film and TV than I am, she she's way, way more kind, I guess the word would be. Um, she turned to me and she said, with all sincerity, how did Spielberg watch this and decide it was okay to release it it's that bad that this it's, it's embarrassing bad it's humiliating bad like the the fact that he's been able to just by the, you know the size of his clout in, in the industry to get this thing to be you know this sort of uh critical darling and, and awards uh, thrown at it It's astonishing to me. This movie is just incredible. How poorly put together this thing is. And it's across the board, the writing. Tony Kushner has won Oscars. He's won Tony's. The writing in this thing is so bad. The direction, brutal. By the way, Kaminsky, who, you know, you and I have split uh, on his work a bunch. But, boy, this is a poorly shot movie. This is not well shot. You're right about the score. It is absolutely the most mundane piece of garbage score. It, it, it's just, I don't understand. And so, there, and even there are little things like Judd Hirsch, who comes in, he has this very sort of bombastic, you know, nine minutes on screen where he does his thing and he does his thing and he does it well, you know, for, for what, it, what it's worth. He's wearing a tank top, like a wife-beating tank top. And every time he turns to the side or turns around, you can see his mic pack. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what? I mean, look, I'm I'm certainly no superstar. I've been on sets where that happens. But those sets are generally student pictures or really low-budget films where... They're not really paying attention. The director's a bit overwhelmed. You know, it's like, it's shit that, that gets by people. Yeah. But when you're on a production, a $40 million production, guess what? There are literally people paid to look for that. Like, that's what they do for a living is yeah. point out like, oh, hey, we're, you know, we're catching his, his uh, mic pack. Can we move that? Which, of course, they can. <laughs> right? Wait, what? They can move what? that. No. <laughs> It's weird. <laughs> or they can do the sound differently, right? You use a boom mic or whatever. It's just, I mean, what? It's atrocious. Just an abominable display of cinematic incompetence in this movie. Unreal. What are we doing? Well, you, you and I are just calling
1: out the obvious. The I don't know what some of the best creative minds in Hollywood of the past 50 years like, I don't know how this came out. Like, I don't know how
0: I how how does this come
1: how, out? I mean, did 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 Khan ever look at Spielberg and be like, dude, like I'm working on this, but like this, I don't know, man. <laughs> like I don't have the stuff here to make this good. And then Steven's like, no, no, trust me. And like, you know, I, I like I feel like John Williams can basically wake up in his bathtub and write something better than what ended up in this movie. So why is he, he
0: sleeping in a bathtub? No, what, why is John Williams he, sleeping he, in a he bathtub? He takes
1: morning baths. That's where his inspiration comes from.
0: Oh, <laughs> hey, I can't even deal with this movie. You know what's funny? Um, I mean, besides, and to me, the thing that really jumped out from the get-go is the script. I, I mean, goddamn. I mean, let's so... let's, talk,
1: let's talk about the after-school NBC The More You Know. So he shows he's filming at the the, the you know, the poor man's version of um, the volleyball scene from the original Top Gun.
0: Oh my God.
1: <laughs> These guys are running and he, he edits this all together in his big bully nemesis and he decides to make the bully nemesis into, like, the hero of the school. And so everyone's cheering for him. And then he's just bothered knowing that Steven Spielberg manipulated his image and all that. And then, like, they're in the hallway confronting each other. And I'm like, What's happening? Like, like what? Like, what? There was never a point where, like, that character was like, "I can manipulate," you know. And I, and then, and there was never a moment of like, "Oh, this is what this guy's problem is." And if I do this, it's a way to beat the bullying. It just literally just comes out, and then the audience is just as confused as this weird, like, you know, bully, like, douchebag guy. And we're all, and it's like told to us. It's a visual movie. And they have to tell it to us. And then when we're over, we're like, I don't know if I bought any of that. And then it's just over. And I'm like, wow, this whole scene. And he's just sitting there against the wall, like thinking to himself. Oh,
0: like, don't get me started. So the mo- the scene starts. The scene is in the hallway of a high school, and it's at it's at prom. By the way, how great is that? Wait, right, that was shown at prom. That was prom. Yes, that was the prom where they show his movie.
1: Oh, where I just- it's like.
0: Come on, everybody. It's prom. Let's watch the new Spielberg movie. Yeah, well, you can see how uh, checked out I
1: was at two hours and 20-some minutes into this movie. I was like, I don't even care anymore.
0: So the scene's in a high school hallway. Actually, before you go into this,
1: literally, this is the first movie that I can remember that I was angry that I didn't have to go to the bathroom midway through. (laughs) I would have been like, yes, I get a five-minute reprieve. I'm like, I
0: don't even have to pee. I literally have to watch this from, from end to end. Oh God! So this scene starts in a hallway, a high school hallway. Steven Spielberg, Sam Fabelman, is at the prom with his beautiful um, Christian girlfriend, uh, who is made out, of course, to be a, a buffoon. And they show his movie that he took. They asked him to shoot footage of senior skip day, where everybody goes to the beach. And, you know, so so he shoots it all and he puts it together and they show it at the prom because that's what happens at proms. And it it glorifies this uh, neo-Nazi ubermensch douchebag of the school, blonde-haired, blue-eyed bully boy um, who has multiple girlfriends and who has a friend, a best friend, who's also a neo-Nazi anti-Semite but I'm pretty sure the two of them are in love and it's not very subtle <laughs> by the way, the, the way they look at each other. You're like, so I'm I'm expecting the movie that Spielberg is showing at the prom to have some surreptitious pictures of those two guys kissing, but it didn't come up, <laughs> which which I thought was funny. So, yeah. And I'd Spielberg... like to also,
1: I would also like to point out that the success of the movie was taking the woman that he was dating that he treated unbelievably poorly yes. and then made her like him and want to go back to this abusive dude and i'm like wait is that po- like is this a positive thing is this, this a win <laughs> <laughs> I'm like i
0: feel like everybody's losing right now i was like Man, weird what a weird philosophy and here this is a sidetrack hold on this is a sidetrack another crazy thing in this movie is every time spielberg shows his shitty little student films either with the boy scouts or at the prom or whatever the audience re- overreacts to every little thing, like they're it's like Orson Welles directed it. <gasps> oh, 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 and then clapping at the oh, it's amazing. it's like how self indulgent and narcissistic can you fucking be? God damn it! Anyway,
1: I just I just know I've shot on eight millimeter. I've shot at sixteen millimeter with your own you know no cinematographer running around. Yep. I'm just letting you know right now keeping things in focus, having smooth camera moves, being in the right position where everything comes together, just magically all the time. That right there was like the Oscar worthy performance. Cause if somebody, if somebody at that skill level pulled off those pictures back then, I'd be like, damn, you're, you're one of the all time greats. And I was like, like, they didn't even have it be like a student film. And right. it was, it was just like, it was no different from that from the rest of the film. And I'm like, man, you didn't even lean into it a little bit. No film grain, no you know nothing just literally it was just Just literally just
0: shooting a movie yeah and then and then the scene where oh well i'll finish the part point i'm making so they shoot this he he leaves the prom because he's upset for some reason that people liked his movie and he goes to the hallway and the neo-nazi guy follows him in there and is mad all of a sudden because hey i was an asshole to you why'd you make me look so good in this movie you're manipulating me i was like a god up there on that screen but that's not who i am and now i feel empty and it's like, what's happening right now? Now, the scene starts with Sammy Fableman sitting on the ground with his knees to his chest, all up, upset. Then he gets up, and they, the blocking is, is that they switch. Then the Aryan guy, the, the neo-Nazi anti-Semite, is on the ground with his knees at his chest with his head between his legs. And then finally the scene ends when everybody runs off except for Sammy, who is back sitting on the ground. with How deep, how really... What insightful direction by Steven Spielberg. Get the fuck out of here with this junk. Good Lord. We have to talk about something else, Barry.
1: This podcast to- is turning into like watching the Fablesmans. We keep coming up with stuff that we have to talk with, even though we don't want to. I love it.
0: This is,
1: this is more meta than the movie was itself. <laughs> this podcast is, a, this hack together podcast is better than the Men's. Jeez, that's a bad thing. We,
0: we have to talk about something. There's a scene in this movie.
1: <laughs> hang on, hang on. I want to try to think about what scene it might be. Uh, is it the scene where the 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 dad's best friend tries to give him his camera? No, oh, that's another. Winner. Yeah, I know, that's what, like, it's, there's so many
0: that I'm trying oh. to think of. Give me a hint of no. where it is in the movie. I'm going to give you a hint and tell you it is the most humiliating and embarrassing scene. It literally, my wife and I, burst out laughing because it reminded us of a scene from waiting for guffman where christopher guest as quirky saint Clair does ballet on stage and he dances <laughs> and he's like you know a 45 year old guy so he has no flexibility and it's the penny for your thoughts scene from waiting for guffman it, people should go watch waiting for guffman it's a great movie so in this movie michelle williams as mitzi while on this camping trip for some inexplicable reason in a nightgown gets up and dances in front of the fire but there's not enough light for sammy to shoot so they turn on the car lights so she's backlit and so everyone can see her naked body except of course viewers can't see her naked body because michelle williams is like yeah no i'm not showing my naked parts and she dances and it's absolutely horrifying like, how ridiculous it is. And she finishes with, I wish I knew the name of this move, but with one leg bent underneath her and the other leg straight. And then she reaches out to her toes elegantly, which is exactly what Corky St. Clair does. Like and he can't pirouette? do it though because his hamstrings are too tight. <laughs> this, that scene is so awful. But then what makes it even more awful is, is Sammy, when he's piecing together the footage from that trip, the footage doesn't match what he's shooting when it's happening. It's like it's like they got better footage yep. that they don't let you see happen. And it's like, oh, look at this fantastic footage I shot that I didn't really shoot when it happened. It's incredible. We burst out laughing at that scene because it's so bad. And poor Michelle Williams, who's doing her, her best, and it's terrible. Uh, just brutal. That scene is brutal, man. And then there's the, the hey, uh, the... Seth Rogen getting Sammy a camera scene I'm watching that and I'm just like who directed this Nobody. hey turn around and walk away then stop then come back then walk the other way then turn around and come back and then take the camera give him a hug then go to the car then turn around and walk away again and then come back oh Barry what are we doing what are we doing, man? I can just
1: imagine what it has to be like. Because, like, I'm hit and miss with Tarantino. Probably in the way that you're hit and miss with uh, Spielberg. But, you know, at one point, Quentin Tarantino met Spielberg and was like, oh, my God, I'm talking to the master. I'm not worthy to be in there. And I feel like if they're ever around a round table now nominated for the same movie, I wonder if inside he's like, dude, I own this guy. This guy, this guy should have retired 20 years ago. This is exactly why I'm putting a number on the movies I make because I don't want to turn into this guy, and that is terrifyingly sad to me. Is you're just like, How like I want to, you know, be able to support working to whatever and doing what you want, you've achieved that, and if it makes money, great, but there is something there's something painful about like where did you lose the ability like it's not just that like something subpar or the material subpar or the acting's not as good it's like there is nothing in this movie worthy of spielberg nothing there's no right. sequence there's nothing there's not. there's not like if i'm in the academy awards and they're like okay cut it cut something from this to put in the little blurb i'm like what what do you want me to pick in like i literally yeah. don't know what to pick from this movie to be like this is it and you're like, man, how do you make a two hour and 40 minute movies being Spielberg with these people and not have that scene? Yeah, it's true. There's nothing worthy of him in this. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I, like in all of his bad movies that we yell about, there's always something worthy. You're like, yep. OK, that's interesting. Or there's something there's there. a sequence where you yeah.
0: go, oh, wow, that's pretty clever. Good yeah. for him. And you're like, you that's
1: know? only Spielberg or that's like a signature. And like this movie, it's like if you didn't tell me this is Spielberg and obviously wasn't like so autobiographical that you'd guess it was Spielberg there isn't anything in this movie that reminds me of Spielberg in any of his movies he's ever made.
0: And it's so weird. Like uh, there's one sequence. It's when he's, I think it's when he's showing his mother, he and his mother have a fight. And then he shows his mother, the footage from the camping trip. And it's like, Hey, I think you're, Something's going oh, on with you oh, and Dad. Trent.
1: The scene in the closet, the, the yeah. mom comes in and but it yeah. There's
0: a shot in there, which is so weird because it's the only one in the whole movie where Kaminsky, who as you know, we've talked about this, yep. he he likes to do that sort of washed out yep. big light. That's his thing. And he does it in this scene just once in one shot. And it's nowhere else in the movie. And it's he's Sammy is standing there, the camera's to the right of him. And to the left of him is a window with the shades down. And he floods that window with light. Yep. So Sammy's like, um, you know, sort of bathed in this yellow glow. And then he comes down and talks with his mother. And I thought, that's, that's fine. I mean, why, why isn't the whole visual palette of this movie like that? No, I, I don't particularly, I didn't particularly like that shot, but like, it's so incongruous with the rest of the movie. Right. Why is it there? Yep. And if you're going to do that, then make the movie beautiful like that. Like, yep. at least give this something to hold on to where you're like, oh, wow, you know what? The this, this script sucks. The acting sucks. But boy, they shot the shit out of that thing. <laughs> they, they did it, man. But it's just junk. It's crazy. Ay, ay, ay. You know what we should do? Number one, we should stop talking about this movie. I think, I think
1: literally, I think the, the the chat box is filling up right now that they want us to live play this and have us do our own not <laughs> director, cinematographer, just a blow-by-blow of like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I and would see love it, to see if live that's
0: stream a, us watching this yeah, fucking thing. This would, this, would, this would be something else. But here's a Here's the question for you and I'm I'm springing this on you so I apologize. What would you say is Spielberg's last great film? Well, okay, I'm going to have to put
1: a I'm going to have to put a clarifier on that cuz the best, last great film in terms of like truly great film or something that was like quality that I'm like I would watch that again there's things about it that like I think is worthy to be watched as a film
0: because those are two. I mean, dramatically different. Yeah, I'm, well, let's go with the lesser of the two, the the one that's. I mean, saying truly great is tough. I mean, yeah, I mean, but, that, we, you know, we might be going back pretty deep in the category. Yeah, I, I think we would. I think we'd be going back a long way. But you know, what was his last great movie? One that's well made. That you know, maybe it has some flaws to it or whatever, but. It's it's rewatchable and and you respect it and uh, things like that, just off the top of your head, or maybe not. Oh, really I'm just looking. I was looking because little... I, I couldn't remember the timeline.
1: I I'd have to rewatch. I remember parts of Munich being interesting, but it fell short in the end. The one that yeah. came to mind is Catch Me If You Can. Yep. I, I'm one that actually liked the Terminal, but it's not a great oh, film. God. But. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I would I, say I wouldn't say that out loud. Barry. I Just, I would say it's either Catch Me If You Can or Munich. Yeah, you know it's funny? I would say the same. Munich to me is pretty flawed. I, I think it's his most one of his more ambitious movies. Yeah, and I think it falls flat because of him, because of his sentimentality and and
1: well, that's where it kind it, of falls apart because it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't claim to anything. It tries to massage
0: everything. At yeah, each
1: so it doesn't stand up. But I thought Yeah, but I, I do agree though. I think it's performances. I, I think it's
0: good. I think Catch Me If You Can is, is terrific. Again, it it does have some major issues with it. But like that the is thing about Catch Me If You
1: Can that was the last film I've saw of him where like when I was watching it, the camera movement, the framing, everything, I was like, someday I aspire to this. Like yeah. you know, I remember that there's a scene in Catch Me If You Can with Leo and um christopher walken and it's just a a traditional you know point of view over the shoulder but what's funny is they they place the character further away and the three quarters of the shot is a silhouette of the shoulder so it really frames your eyes on the person and it's kind of like this father figure is overshadowing leo as he's trying and i'm just like just the composition and the subtext and the the dynamics of this relationship i'm like that's visual filmmaking. Like this is saying something, I haven't seen it before. This is brilliant. And like, since then, I haven't seen that side of it. That was like his, to me, that was the last visual, like contribution to cinema. And then he's had other performances and stuff or interesting, ambitious things like Munich. But I feel like, you know, early 2000s is kind of when.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I agree with you with both of those movies. Now, what's crazy is that you know catch me if you can came out 20 years ago i know munich came out uh 17 years ago yeah and here's just a list we're, we'll we'll just go through it real quick so he's got the fablemans this year last year west side story oh oh ready player one which that you know if if we if we're
1: really stretching for the post two thousands there was some interesting stuff in there but not enough to be warranted but that was probably his best recent movie with the exception of i don't remember bridge of spies yeah, nor should you. okay um
0: yes yeah, so ready player one the post the bfg bridge of spies lincoln warhorse the adventures of Tintin, indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull and then that didn't end his career i don't know what would i know that movie was absolutely
1: abominable
0: but like so a bunch of these movies like ready player one is you know he's trying to hit box office gold with that i'm sure it did pretty well um but the post bridge of spies lincoln he's trying to win an oscar with those movies oh those movies are they're not good um War Horse and Tintin, he's trying to make some money. Indiana Jones, same thing. Munich, I think he wanted to win an Oscar. And War of the Worlds, he was trying to do the Jurassic Park, uh, Schindler's List combo because they both came out in 2005. Uh, War of the Worlds made a ton of money. Um, War of the Worlds, I watched
1: it recently. It was far more violent than I remember. But that, again, that's 2002. When you watch that, his mastery of moving the camera, same year as Catch Me If You Can, I mean, he's he's on fire. Like, there's lots of things that are problem with uh, uh, yeah. that movie, but it, I mean, it's. Oh wait, no. What year was? Two
0: thousand five. War of the Worlds.
1: Oh, so it's a little bit later than Catch Me Again. But like, just watch War of the Worlds just for how he frames, how he moves the camera, how like how he reveals things, and you're like watching someone who's like, yeah, you know, you know how to make visual storytelling right. come to life, and that has fallen off big time in the last 15, 20 years.
0: Yeah, he's making like that and Minority Report, the two Tom Cruise movies. He's making big movies. He's in big swings. And it's interesting when he does that. I don't find those movies very good, but it's interesting. Good for him. Yeah, Artificial Intelligence, AI is 2001. He totally shits all over himself with that movie.
1: But um, I mean, let's put it this way. Was there ever a world of which AI wasn't going to be a disaster? It's like very shortly yeah. after... If
0: Steven, if Stanley
1: Kubrick did not die. No, I mean, I'm saying like, once he died and being so close to his death, I yeah. know that Spielberg, you know, is inspired by him, but Spielberg on his best day is not even remotely the same type of filmmaker Kubrick is. And I know you're a bigger yes. Kubrick fan than I am, but I mean, that needed to be taken over by, you know, I don't know who would have been a better choice. You know, you could argue Tarantino, you can argue Fincher. You need somebody...
0: Pinterest to me would be a more interesting one, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I, I think if you would have waited, you could have found somebody that would have been up to the challenge that wouldn't, I mean, Spielberg back then was like, he was Spielberg. So you, you attach that yeah. to a Kubrick film, and it just, I feel like that was destined to fail before it began. And I wished that movie would have waited to be made. I wish Spielberg okay. would have produced it and waited to find the right filmmaker as yeah. opposed to jumping on board, but ran. I agree.
0: So, I mean, it's been a long time for Spielberg to have made a film you know that, that we can at least debate about this you know. so let's just be generous and say Munich so that's 2005, that's 17 years ago no, 18 years ago almost um, but you know Lincoln, Bridge of Spies, The Post now these movies had major flaws in them a lot to do with the script um, and performances you can d- debate but they're all, you know, pretty well shot. You know, like the wheels haven't come off the wagon. West Side Story, you could argue, is you know, the script is the issue, and you know, it, it's it at least has some dynamic filmmaking in terms of the the sequences. But the Fablements is, it's like off a cliff. You know, it's like a, it's like a, you know, baseball pitcher or something like that who you know. Look, Spielberg in in the, you know, Jaws, Close Encounters, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T. I mean, he's he's throwing triple digits. He's throwing at 100 miles an hour. Right. And he's just fucking boom. Then, you know, you get to the early 90s with Jurassic Park. list. he's throwing actually he's a better pitcher at that point. He's maybe lost a little velocity but he's throwing 97, 98, but it's got movement. And like, he's, he just paints the corners and he's doing it. With the late era Spielberg, you know, we're, we're talking post Munich. Um, I mean, he's, he's in the low nineties throwing, you know, he's, he's getting the benefit of the call from the ump a lot of the times, you know, he's, he's, not really painting the corners, but they give him calls and things. With the Fablemans, I mean, like he's just gassed out there from the get-go. He's got no velocity, no movement. He's got no control. He's just getting drilled left and right. It's like, get this cat out of the game, man.
1: So this this is how my analogy right now is gonna speak volumes to my non-highbrow cinema history. And it's going to be a pretty big condemnation of Spielberg. But did you ever see the classic Bernie Mac movie, Mr. 3000? No. So this is a baseball player that had retired to 3000 hits. Right. But when in his retirement, they revised a rule and took away three of his hits, which put him under. So he unretires, comes back to get three more hits uh, or home runs or whatever it was. Yeah, three hits. Yeah, and he, he steps in. By the, the way,
0: pl- clever idea for a movie. Yeah.
1: And Bernie Mac steps in and, you know, he's this big figure and he swings and he gets like, I think it was like the first at bat, he gets a hit and everyone's like, look, he hasn't lost it. And later in the uh, locker room, he's like, I didn't even see the ball. I just swang and I got lucky (laughs) because like I'm I'm in no position to be out here. And I feel like Spielberg's had a couple of those hits where he hasn't seen it. And now it's like, oh, I don't, I don't have it anymore. Um, Yeah and looking at the reviews or the 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 audience uh ratings what's crazy is this is his most liked movie since catch me if you can and before that since saving private ryan so this ranks amongst wow. his like this is probably in the top 7 or 8 movies most liked via the audience of all time
0: how How just beaten down our audiences is like it's literally
1: better, it's better than Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It's one tick below ET, and it's better than Close Encounters of the
0: Third Kind. What in the world?
1: (laughs) So it's like you can see how the bubble happens. You, you can see how, like, if you just, uh, you can lose touch and you're just like, no, th- there's no universe that this isn't the same. And I'm not, I don't think Close Encounters is one of his, like, you know, Magnus Opus in the way that other people do. It's a great movie, but like- Which I do,
0: I'm one of those people. Here. I know,
1: but I'm just saying like, even I can look at that movie versus the Fable and be like, oh no, th- there is no
0: universe where these two are even close. So just, we did we did late stage Spielberg. We went through those movies. Let's just do, like, out of the gate for Steve. So his first feature film is uh, Sugar Land Express in 74. Um, Then we're off to the races. 1975, Jaws. Literally changes the entire motion picture industry. It's that big of a hit. Like, people used to just be able to go sit in a theater and watch movies all day long. Now, they kick everybody out. You got to pay and watch the game. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> everybody's sitting there watching jaws 77 close encounters 79 1941 you know a miss um 81 raiders of the lost ark i mean raiders of the lost ark is just a miraculous movie it's like such the the ultimate popcorn movie it's crazy um 82 et uh 83 twilight zone i don't really count that it's mean, just you know, uh, 84, Indiana Jones, Temple Doom, 85, The Color Purple. See, this is where he's like, I just des- definitely want an Oscar. So he does The Color Purple, Empire of the Sun, um, 89, Tough Year. Does always an Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Indiana Jones, it's, it's sort of on its last legs at that point. Always is a dr- brutal movie. 91 is even worse. He does Hook. Anyone who says Hook is good, it, they should be uh, locked away. Hook is a
1: masterpiece.
0: Oh, gosh. But here he bounces back. Gets his mojo back in 93. Comes out with Jurassic Park. Makes over a billion dollars with a B, which was not happening back then. And Schindler's List, which you can quibble with Schindler's List. I have many times. And so have many other smart people uh, like Stanley Kubrick who <laughs> were just like, yeah, only Spielberg can make an uplifting Holocaust movie. <laughs> um, but, you know, he, look, he wins the best picture. It's, it's uh, an audacious film and an ambitious one and, and you dip your cap. 97, he tries the same trick and he comes out way, way behind the eight ball. La- the Lost World, Jurassic Park 2, and Amistad. Amistad is just brutal. It's a terrible movie. The Lost World is equally terrible, but just in a different <laughs> way. 98, Saving Private Ryan, 2001, AI, and then we're back into Minority Report, Catch Me if You Can, The Terminal, etc. So early Spielberg is just, it's incredible, the run he goes on. Jaws, Close Encounters, the Lost Ark, E.T. I mean, this is just like... It, most people don't even get those in a 40 year career never mind like in their first you know five movies yeah but it just it also just goes to show you he's somebody who has never and he admits this by the way I saw him recently in an interview talking about how he doesn't think of himself as a stylist like he has has no specific style but he is and I'll use my term for it, he's a company man. He likes to make lots of different types of movies, and he doesn't imprint his style on them. He uses whatever style works for that picture, as opposed to say, like, Martin Scorsese, who is a stylist, he's very unique. Tarantino, same thing. Um, Kubrick, same thing. And it's so funny because this movie, The Fablemans, gets into art and talking about art this and art that and that, you know, Sammy Fableman, a.k.a. Steven Spielberg, is about the art. He chooses art and, you know, art wins over all. And yet, if you look at his career, even his great movies, it's much more about commerce than it is about art. Whereas that's not true of, say, like, Spielberg or even Tarantino, certainly not Kubrick. Um, But it's just interesting that the movie how Spielberg sees himself at certain times and how he portrays himself in the Fablemans is particularly in the Fablemans, very self-serving and very narcissistic. But it's just interesting, just to bring it back to that movie, that he still doesn't even know what he's trying to say, it feels like. You know what I
1: mean? I mean, in this movie, there was like little tangents that wasn't part of a cohesive like story. I mean, this was like many many you know many things it's like it's almost like he was talking to a therapist and like okay that issue it's moved to a new issue new issue and then movies over you're like well how does this all string together like i don't know we just dealt with stuff
0: yeah it does feel like sort of a a bunch of vignettes that you'd share at a, a therapist session or something um very weird very weird movie, all right, Barry. We've been talking about this thing for an hour what any final thoughts on the fablemans and don't see it yeah, it's even if it's i mean sweet, I, I, it's I, just not worth it. do you think normal people be, you said it's like got these high rotten tomato scores? do you think normal people will watch and be like, "Oh, that's sweet or whatever
1: no i I mean the only reason that it I think it lands with audiences is is, is it's got some you know, depressing subject matter, families falling apart, divorce, stuff like that. But like, by and large, it's not like, it's not like the end of the world. It's not like humanity can't be saved. Like a lot of content right now is very like fatalistic. This isn't fatalistic. So if you're watching something, yeah, you might like it because it's not depressing, but I don't think you sit down and watch this and go like, Wow that was a great movie. Like there's not really a singular story to follow in this. So it's just, is it offensive? No. Is it, will it occupy two hours and 45 minutes? Yeah. And if you don't care, maybe that's enough, but I just, I think there's other things you could occupy with two hours and 45 minutes.
0: You know, what else struck me as odd, just to dive back in for a second, there's a scene where he's using, he's shooting a war movie as a teenager. And he's like using, you know, his boy scout troop. And like, I, I, I assume local, Sort of teenagers, and there's one like big meathead guy who's like sort of the lead, and he has to quote unquote direct him to get him to feel emotional, and he starts talking to the guy, and the guy is sort of an idiot, and he doesn't understand. And he's like, "Oh wait, you want me to act?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You know, think about this: these guys who are lying here dead, they're family, and it's your fault that they're dead, and blah blah blah. And so he gets the guy all worked up, and then they shoot the scene, and the guy's crying. But in the scene, the guy is walking away from the camera with his back towards the camera. And he's crying. And I'm thinking, because as I'm watching the scene, as I'm watching him direct, which by the way, you know, this is sort of the stuff I do. I'm like, why are you saying this to him and getting him into this state right now? You should wait until the camera's set up. And then you're ready to roll. And then you pull him aside and say, hey, man, here's the deal. This is what we need to do, blah, blah, blah. And then he's crying and you go, and sound." roll camera, action. <laughs> it's like you see the motion coming and you're ready to capture it. Right, it? and all of a sudden you're filming and he's crying and it's like he's walking away crying and they're like, hey, are you going to tell him to stop? And it's like, what difference does any of that make? You're shooting his back. What yeah, is them- this? <laughs> uh, it's a great metaphor for the entire movie, I suppose. Um, All right, Barry. Yeah, I would say just this movie is junk. It's just junk. And Maybe normies would be like sort of will fall for the sentimentality of it because it feels it feels like a TV show. yeah, if, it feels like a really long, like special episode of some shitty drama. So who knows? But I think it stinks. I think it's a travesty that this thing is nominated for a bunch of stuff. God help us in the wins. I mean,. Oof. but hey, go to one last year. so what do we know? All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to California Film Minnesota. We appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Hopefully at a better movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Are
1: they ever going to be better? <laughs>
0: I know. When is this going to end? <laughs> Never, is it
1: ever? When is the bad movie making going to stop?
0: Oh, God. What? I mean, this is, I am just <laughs> dying of thirst in this cinematic desert. You know what we it's didn't talk brutal. about?
1: What was the what was the horror movie that we watched on HBO that was interesting that started with a B? Oh,
0: oh, Barbarian.
1: Like Barbarian was like a far superior movie to this.
0: Oh, Barbarian is Citizen Kane compared to this. Rock I know, thing. but
1: that's what I I'm mean. saying. Like it's it, and it's, and that <laughs> has flaws, especially the whole third act of that is. Yeah. Like, oh, that, like,
0: yeah.
1: But I'm like, how does this? How how is that the discrepancy? how is Steven Spielberg with all these people that bad in comparison to a movie that's not that good but it makes that movie look like citizen kane
0: yeah
1: like well, it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around how bad this movie was
0: uh, it is it's, i i like i said i i'm not even a fan and like i went in with a certain you think there's some certain basement yeah. that like you know to to use the, you can't the get worse than this. You, you, um, like you figure like okay you know it's gonna be a shitty movie but whatever it can't be that but and it's worse it's worse <laughs> than you you could ever imagine unbelievable
1: all right we gotta we gotta stop giving this air time this needs to hours. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs>